So welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly podcast that goes out over SoundCloud and YouTube video if you prefer to watch. And each week I get to sit with somebody super inspiring and talk to them about their story. Uh, this week is no different. Uh, I have with me Gabriel Akin Adejabi. Did I say that right? We're close enough. <laughs> close enough, close enough. Uh, and uh, I met uh, Gabriel, I think, over LinkedIn, then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've, we've seen each other a couple of times. Yeah. And he actually came looking for advice uh, from me, and I just found him amazingly uh, inspirational. So I thought it'd be great uh, to sit down with Gabriel and, uh, and uh, make a video and, and share his story with all of you. So, Gabriel, welcome. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining me. Um, let's start by taking it all back, because you've got a really interesting uh, background. You were born in Sweden, yes. right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I was born in Sweden in um, yeah, 1987. Um, we was over there it's because my dad um, worked for the Nigerian diplomatic service. So he was based in Sweden for a number of years. Right. I was born in there. My immediate older sister was born in there. So we lived there for about four years yeah. and so we went back to base between posts yeah. in Nigeria for a year and then he was sent to the UK where he retired. I think mum didn't want to move us to a third country, sorry, fourth country. <laughs> so she's like, we'll just stick here and let the kids finish out their education. So I've grown up in North London, but yeah, now I live in East. So you started in the very cold climates. Yeah. In the Nordics, you moved to Nigeria, which is of course quite quite warm and then uh, now I'm somewhere in between somewhere in between, <laughs> somewhere in between. Uh, and you grew up I think you said in North London mm -hmm. right yeah That's yeah right. and um, went to uh, went to university not in London no. you went no. to uh, yeah. university yeah I went to the University of Leeds um, the reason I chose that is because from a very young age I decided I wanted to become a pilot and the University of Leeds is one of two universities in the country that was offering that um, so I kind of jumped at the chance to go and study that. I figured if I can get an education, take that box, but then also learn how to fly, it's a pretty good deal. Definitely so yeah, deal. I went to university to go and do that. I had a phenomenal time. Well, you're speaking to my heart. You yeah. know, I'm, a, I'm a private pilot. I love flying planes and uh, I can kind of relate to that. But what drew you to aviation? You didn't have any of that in your family? Or no, you? not at all. Not at all. First pilot. I guess Nigerian families are very traditional sort of thing that you know they want their kids to become lawyers, doctors, engineers. When I told my mum wanted to be a pilot, she ran past the usual checklist. She's like, that's not on the usual list, but I think we can sell this into the family. I think this, I think this could work for us. Yeah, we can yeah. market this. Skills. Um, yeah, that's it. So I think um, from a very, very young age, I was always very into science, technology, physics especially. Yeah. Then biology, um, I was reading about everything all of the time interrogating any kind of professional I came across, whether it was my dentist, my doctor, I wanted to find out what they were doing, how they did it, why they thought it was interesting, and I um, loved flight. Um, I, because of the, I guess, the physics behind flight, I found to be quite interesting. It's all based on, I guess, loosely the churning of the flow of air, yeah. and um, I thought it was super interesting seeing how scientists answered the question of how the bumblebee flies, because it physically wasn't possible, but right. we saw it happening. Um, so from a young age, I thought this, this fight thing looks pretty cool. What is the answer on the bumblebee, by the way? Yeah, cool, so they create um, vertices, um, which is like circular, like whirlpools of air, right. and they generate, so flight is all about taking the air from above the plane, blow it, 
and that resulting force pushes the brain upwards. Pressure. That's right, yeah, pushes yeah. the brain upwards. So what a bumblebee does, they churn the flow of air by creating these kind of circular vertices. Right. They push them down and ride that on the way up. Ah. So yeah, so, they, so rather than kind of flapping downwards like a bird does, they twist. Right. So they're churning the air and sending oh, it downwards. And that, then that vertice of air still kind of rotates and pushes the air downwards right. and the resulting force pushes them up. Okay. Which might be why they kind of fly a bit, <laughs> zigzaggy, yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than the sort of linear flight yeah. you expect from a bird. I didn't know that. Fetch didn't expect to be talking about no. bumblebees, so you've learned <laughs> always, something always, new there about the physics of flight, at least for yeah. uh, bumblebees. Okay, and uh, while you were at university doing aviation, of course, you became a dancer. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so t talk us about, uh, talk us through that. Yeah, uh, that um, I... I like giving things a go, honestly. If there's, I'm the kind of person that if I have an interest in something and no discernible talent, I'll still pursue it. <laughs> I figure... I definitely um, relate to yeah, that. Yeah, so I figure at some point, if you love it enough, you'll become at least competent yeah. if you stick to it and you have the passion. If you have the talent, even better. Yeah. But um, yeah, so coming into university, I had some rudimentary understanding of breakdowns, which is why I started off. Ah. Yeah, and um, so uh, yeah, I went to university, signed up to do uh, my degree about half an hour later, went to sign up for the athletics team. And, um, as you do. Yeah, as you do, as you do. And then also got involved in dance at university because I figured out if I love breakdance, there's so much more in dance that I could explore and become and grow into. <laughs> Amazing. Know? And you were doing some modeling work at the same time? Yeah, that was, that was later. That came later. Um, Again, because of my athletic connections, um, a good friend um, was both athletic and very beautiful. She ended up winning Helen um, Lawal, ended up winning Miss Black Britain and Miss York. Yeah. Um, I signed to her agency not to model, just to do extra work. So I was in the background of like Hollyoaks episodes. Extras as yeah. in uh, TV programs. That's right, that's right, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a lot of money, it was like 50 quid a day. But I was sitting around, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> but um, and I kind of thought that if they're willing, the agency was willing to give me fifty pounds that easily without seeing me, they might have some more money if I went to meet them. Yeah. So I sent the MD an email saying I have some other talents. I don't know if they're interesting to you. I can dance and stuff. <laughs> and she's like, come in and show us what you can do. So um, I went into the agency. She kind of took a look at me. She was like. Okay. And okay. you were presumably head spinning and back spinning. Yeah, and pretty much, pretty much. So we went from the office into like a back room, which is similar to sort of this setup. Um, she then kind of moved some of the chairs to the side, put some music on, and said, "Dance for me." Amazing. And I was like, "Okay," but thankfully, break dance is very much a freestyle sort of like style, which means I don't need a lot of prep. So if I have a beat, I can just kind of just go for it. Really? Yeah. I know what you're thinking. It won't work very well on SoundCloud, but I will ask him after this to, uh, <laughs> to do something and see if we can film it. Anyway, do you still dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I do? Still dance. Okay. Yeah, 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 Game yeah. on. All right. Uh, and then athletics. You started getting increasingly into athletics. Mm -hmm. uh, what sort of athletics were you doing? Yeah, so um, I grew up following athletics from a purely, I guess, statistician point of view. I love the sport, I love the technical element of it. But because I was so small for my age, like I didn't grow until I was like 16, 17. My growth spurts were super late. I wasn't very good, uh, like a young age, actually competing, which kind of demoralized me a little bit. But um, I, uh, Colin Jackson at the time was obviously winning world championships, um, had the world record, 
um, Jonathan Edwards, the same thing. Um, so I grew up wanting to be a triple jumper or a hurdler okay. like Jonathan Edwards and yeah. Colin Jackson. And when I got to university, I started off with triple jump because right. I can jump, I guess, freakishly high. It's <laughs> not an easy way to describe it. Why weren't you doing high jumping? Um, you said different... Because uh, I was taught bulky okay. as well, right? Whereas I'm good, I'm quite springy and fast. Like, okay. I just figured, and I like just bouncing and jumping around. And the, the sensation of triple jump. Like my body loves that rhythm, so mm -hmm. I thought that I could, I could do this. I could find my way through this sport. So you bounce on one leg mm -hmm. twice, and, and, and then yeah, that's right. Yeah. And stop and jump. Amazing. Okay. Uh, gosh, it's a shame we're not doing this outside. We could have all, <laughs> all kind a lot of, of fun with this. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing uh, long jump, triple jump, and I believe you then started getting into hurdles. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I got into hurdles um, for about four months. Um, and I sort of fell into it because my team back in London and Harrow needed an, extra, needed an additional hurdler that they didn't have. At this point, I was still, I would say, hyper-mediocre at long jump. Hyper-mediocre. Hyper-mediocre. Okay. So um, that meant that I was good enough to get on the team, not good enough to be the first choice for the team. Oh, I see, yeah. So, um, I was the kind of person on the team that would just do anything. I'm like, if you need a spare person, I'm your guy. Right. Just sign me up. I've got the best. I'm good to go. So they're like, we need a hurdler. I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that, but I can figure it out in two weeks. So I went to my coach. I told him this event was coming up, and um, he laid out some hurdles for me. Said, just have a go, run over these, see if you can do it. And how so, did, what was the first time like? Did you did you manage it? Did it you trip pretty, over landing no, on your no, face? No, or, no, no, it was pretty yeah. easy actually. Pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they're definitely higher than I thought, but um, if I can see something, I can replicate it. I just yeah. I need to physically see it, and then right. I can kind of when I close my eyes and sort of just like run it through in my head and visualize. Yeah, and then yeah. I. Visualize myself doing that movement, yeah. and then I can pretty much go about doing it. Yeah. And um, so I went over it, and he said that you're better at this than you are at long jump. Right. We're swapping events. Amazing. And I've I've never jumped since. Mm. I haven't jumped since. Amazing. So, yeah. That visualize visualization doesn't always work for me. Sometimes mm -hmm. I visualize myself as a great dancer, but it doesn't. It doesn't work out. My my kids still call me a dad dancer, so um, doesn't work for me. So this is 110 meter hurdles. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're getting really good mm -hmm. and you're competing at what level? Yeah, so um, I started off competing at the kind of regional level, so north of England, um, which is where I was based at the time in Leeds, for about four months until I got injured pretty badly. Um, what happened? I had just um, run in my first indoor championships, well, first competition for hurdles, um, managed to come third, ran two personal bests, Obviously, <laughs> um, and uh, which I think put me at number five in the country at the time. And then um, I also ran the 60 meter flat again, around three personal bests, all in the same afternoon. Um, I felt strange pain in my lower back, and I just thought, "Hey, I'm just tired. It's five runs." Right. Um, turns out I'd actually slipped two discs, Oof. and um, but I didn't know this at the time, so I kept training on it more and more until the sciatic and nerve pains became so bad. But it was quite hard just to even get out of bed wow. in the mornings, wow. um, which made it also quite hard to work as well. But I still, still had to pay rent, I had to put food on the table. 
And um, you were working, this was post-university at this mm -hmm. stage, you were working, yeah, yeah. What, what were you doing? Um, so I was teaching maths at this point. Right, so, which is the natural progression from aviation. Yeah. <laughs> you do, yeah. yeah. Let's just rewind uh, a little bit. Yeah. So you did the aviation mm -hmm. degree and... Yeah, so, that's true, yeah. So I went into, I, was like, I finished aviation in 2008 when the recession hit the UK and... Um, with the result of uh, currency issues, um, fuel costs going up, it hit aviation very hard. A lot of major airlines either were struggling financially or went under. Of the 60 people on my course, only one person got a job in the industry. Yeah. And wow. that person's dad was a chief pilot for EasyJet, right. so he had good connections. Um, but I, wasn't too, I didn't feel too, I guess, jealous of him because he discovered during the course that he was colorblind, so he couldn't be a pilot. So I was pretty devastated for him. It's like the goal of his life that he now can't achieve, and he has all the connections and all the talent oh, to do yeah. it. So I felt I felt really bad for him at That's the time. Um, but he still managed to get into the industry, thankfully, so oh, he could still be you know a part of it. Yeah. But um, yeah. so you got into maths. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? Um, I wanted to pay it forward, I guess. Um, my maths teacher, Mr. Sarabi at Christ College, Finchley, um, changed my life. Like honestly, I think about him to this day frequently. Well, he might be watching. So yeah, hey, Mr. Sarabi, how are you? Yeah. Trying to do you proud. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so um, as I mentioned before, if you have enough motivation to achieve something, even without discernible talent, you can go about um, succeeding. Um, I proved that in my life um, because I was failing maths. I needed maths to obviously get onto my aviation degree, but I was scoring D's and E's even up to year 10, the year before GCC examinations. Um, he said essentially, I can't put you onto the higher paper be to get an A because um, your current grades mean that if you slip below a C, you get a U, you fall off the grade curve, yeah. and it's much better to get a B or a C mm -hmm. than it is to get a U. Um, I was fairly stubborn, I was like, I need to get on this course, I want to progress in my life. So he set me additional homework. So I had um, the higher level homework and the intermediate homework, plus half term lessons, end of term. So he let you do it for free? Yeah, that's right. So um, and these lessons took up a significant amount of time in my um, end of season, sorry, um, end of term break. But the end result was that by the time we got to the GCC examinations in the summer, I had attempted every variation of every question on that exam board that they could answer me. So it meant that I walked away with an A at the end, uh, which was, I guess, five grades up from where I was. Incredible. Year. Well, progression, and all the while doing athletics and everything else. Yeah, that yeah, and obviously all the other subjects too. Well, amazing, uh, amazing story, and what a what a noble and generous guy uh, your, your teacher was. Um, you, you've been back to see him? Yeah, I went back to see him about three years ago, and it was really quite emotional for me, to be honest. Um, I bet it was uh, for him too. Yeah, um, because as I walked up to him, I could see him talking. To, obviously. I saw myself as I was before. I forgot, you know, 15 years have passed and he would have aged. He's become an old man now. But I saw him speaking to a student in the hallway and said that I only work part-time now. But if you ever see me in my office and there's nobody else in there, you can come in and I will help you and support you. And I was so overcome. I'm like, he's still the same guy. So it's, it was wonderful kind of seeing him. I spoke to him about it. Oh, wow, what a guy. Still the same guy, still helping out students in the same way he helped you. Yeah. Um, great story. Well, thank you. <laughs> if you're watching. Uh, 
so after maths, uh, you you then got into marketing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which was another little twist in, yeah. the, in the story. How, um, how come? The reason I got into um, marketing was because I wanted to move back to London. And the main reason was is because my back had become pretty chronic by this point. Right. And the best um, hospital in the country was the Royal National Orthopaedic based in Stanmore, which was conveniently near, near, conveniently near where my mum lived. Right. So I moved down to London to try and get an appointment and try and get um, the surgery to yeah. get my back sorted. So you had full surgery on mm -hmm. it, I assume? No athletics. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, and then that was it. That's, yeah, that was pretty much it. So I spoke to the um, doctor, and um, initially he was kind of the, the first doctor said that it wasn't uh, okay, what's it, it wasn't significant enough for him to work on it. He worked with like genital deformities, like hunchback scoliosis, things like that. Right. The second doctor didn't reply back to the um, the referral. And the third doctor said, yeah, sure, we'll take it on. He should be fine after Amazing. Yeah, and um, he did a phenomenal job. Did a phenomenal job. Can you so. remember the doctor's name? Um, Dr. Shah. Dr. Yeah, Shah. Shah. Yeah, so um, he, um, after doing the work, uh, it took about two months to learn how to walk again, and then about 10 months of rehab until I was pretty, I guess enough to like jog lightly and dance, obviously. As well. Obviously, and dance. Well, we're going to come back to the marketing. Mm -hmm. So you've had your surgery, you're getting back in, you've learned how to walk, and then you start running again, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Hurdles. Yeah, yeah. I was really, I was in two minds about the whole thing, to be honest. Um, I've been out of the hurdles game for athletics for three years now. My friendship circle had largely changed uh, people that work in marketing full-time jobs. So I could have closed that part of my life off and nobody would have held me to it. But there was this, this still kind of itching inside that told me you're not finished. You're not There's done still yet. some more. Yeah. Um, even though I was, I guess, 25 by this point, which is very, very old to be starting. Very right. old. Most of my competitors were starting at like five, six. Yeah. So they were 20 years into the game before I'd even started. Yeah, yeah. Old. It's it's interesting what qualifies for old mm -hmm. uh, in different disciplines, uh, and it certainly wasn't the end for you, was it? You progressed very rapidly and uh, had some success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the usual progression at my age and event is about a couple hundredth, maybe a tenth every season. I was reducing my time by half a second every year. So I went from, I think I started off at maybe like 70, 80th in the country. Then the next season I was 30th, then 20th, then 6th. And um, then I kind of just progressed upwards from there. Amazing. And, and half a second, this is 110 meter hurdles, mm -hmm. which is the standard sprint for hurdles. Half a second is a big deal. Yeah, half a second is um, about the time, or maybe about the time it would take you to get from one hurdle to the next. And um, in, wow. if you're like super fast, so um, so for me it's like it's actually a really big amount of time. Like where I started off at versus where I finished at 13.3, the difference between crossing the finish line and maybe approaching hurdle eight. 13, sorry, 13.3. Yeah. That was, that was your personal best, yeah. was it? 13.3, with hurdles in the way, yeah. 110 meters. Yeah, to run. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Where I started okay. off running about 15.1 and um, yeah, which is no 17.6 was my first hurdles race. 17.6. And where did that put you in terms of world ranking? And yeah, yeah, sure. So when I retired in April, that put me number six in the world. Amazing. 
what an incredible uh, journey after a surgery, uh, learning how to walk again, now number six and, in the yeah, world. And I think for me, is like I was able to kind of um, get that bug off my back that was always te like people telling me that, you know, you're too old, you're finished, you need to have had this level of coaching or work with this group because now you can find your own way and be creative about it as well. Amazing, what an inspiring uh, determination that you have. And then you stopped uh, athletics, um, by then you were 28, Eight, yeah, 28, 20, something like that. Well, what was going on in your life at that time? Yeah, so 2017, you know, I told my friends that's probably the most difficult year of my life by some way. Um, in 2017, I injured my knee, injured my back pretty badly. So I mean, I couldn't again. really do Yeah, again. Same place? Um, it was a slightly different place, but all related to that surgery um, and limited mobility in that part of my lower back. So the injuries had returned, and uh, at that time, I understand you had some uh, personal tragedies in your life as well. Yeah, I did. Um, over the course of about four months, I picked up both the back and knee injury but then also my good friend Joe and training partner passed away, had an accident in London when I was out in the States. Um, and my sister also passed away uh, about a month and a half after that. And um, Sorry to hear that. I think, um, thanks, uh, but I think for me, it's, um, both of those losses really put into perspective, I think, the way I'd been living my life. Um, I think I spent so much of it collecting and chasing after achievements. Yeah. And um, I talked to a lot of people about goals and success. Um, you can have pretty much anything you want to have if you're prepared to sacrifice enough for it. And at times the sacrifices you make um, don't match up to, um, I guess, it doesn't equate to as much meaning as the goal you achieve at the other end. And if I had gone on to win an Olympic Games, sure, that's great. But I'd rather have, you know, my friends and family in my life than a nice medal. Well, thank you for sharing such a deeply personal uh, event uh, in your life. Um, determined as you are, though, uh, Gabriel d did what Gabriel does, right? You pivoted again yeah. uh, into marketing uh, where you are today. Mm -hmm. That's right. I mean, summers always follow the winters. Um, so for me, it's um, I tend to I have this like funny outlook on life, and um, whenever everything's like falling apart, I tend to play even riskier because I feel that I was like, well, I can't lose any more than I already have. I might as well go for the top. And um, I applied for a job at Global Savings Group where I'm at now, and. Um, it was a head of department job heading up the account management team, which was a promotion from where I had before. So I was technically not really kind of on that level to go for it, yeah. but I thought, shoot your shot. So leadership position yeah. in uh, sales, business yes, development, right, yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, right. what have you found to, give, give me some top uh, selling tips. <laughs> sure. Um, I think the first one I tell my team like all the time is avoid the quick and easy win avoid the short sale. Um, we talked to our partners from the very start about what we want to do and achieve with them one year into the game, five years into the game. We want to have a business that grows and it doesn't make sense to um, run marketing activities, um, uh, push costs on them that ultimately isn't profitable for them and it's just profitable for us. So I try to avoid the short win. Um, I think the second one 
that I try to get my team thinking about is um, commercially. Um, like what does our activity look like in terms of growth um, for their partnership, um, in terms of their margins and ultimately for our customers. We're creating these articles, these money-saving tips for humans on the other end. Yeah. It's got to be something that's beneficial for them. Start with value. Yeah, that's right. Oh, those are great tips. I'm a great believer in um, in the notion that uh, selling is is not really a, a, a pushing process. It's creating a, a context in which people buy uh, in order to meet their interests. Um, what an inspiring story. Uh, as you look back over uh, the still quite short history, yeah. uh, thinking about some of the people who might be watching, any lessons that you personally take away that you'd like to offer us? Yeah, sure. Um, I think there's two main ones, maybe three. Um, for the first one's like something my mum told me when I was really young, knock and a door be open to you. Um, I translate that when I talk to people to say, um, ask the question, essentially, um, if you don't Don't have, ask, you don't get Yeah, honestly, honestly, that's, I mean, it's the reason I'm here. Well, that's kind of how we've been. That's literally yeah, the reason okay, yeah. I'm here. I um, messaged you on LinkedIn, I was like, hi, um, uh, you've got more manager experience than I have. Um, I'd love to get a bit of your time to have some tips on how to develop teams and uh, spot talent, I think, in interviews, and that's how this came up. Um, and if you'd said no, it wouldn't have killed me. Right? I could I would then move on and that's the kind of attitude I have in life that try it. If it doesn't work, you're not in a worse place because of it. You can only really win by trying. Well I'm glad I said yes. I think I'm in a much better place. Yeah. <laughs> right, cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, but yeah, so that's probably the first one. Not gonna all be open to you. Um, the second one I touched upon is around having motivation to succeed, um, even without the talent. I think Les Brown put it really well. Um, he said that we all have the desire to succeed, but do you have the courage to fail until you get it right? What a great way of putting it. You know, and that's something that, that way of spinning it like really blew my mind. It's I like actually, it, yeah. we think about goals and you set them, you work hard and you win. Actually, are you prepared to keep failing yeah. until you win? Absolutely. And that's the real test. That's the real test. So that's probably the second one. There's a similar quote actually. Yeah. Ken Robinson said, if you're not, prepared to fail you'll never come up with anything original mm -hmm. which is more the sort of creativity side mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. so it's a great Honestly, quote. yeah de definitely hit us with number yeah. three um number three i'd say um resourcefulness creativity i think they both kind of weave into each other um i tend to kind of have a mental mind map of how i want my life to look like in terms of what the end goal at five seven years looks like i'm very creative on the path as you can see, I've done like uh, yeah, I can five, see that, six yeah. jobs and careers. Um, so I think, um, especially to the younger people, um, don't get too fixated or married to a vision of what you think you end up as. Be creative, be open to changing direction. Yeah. If there's an opportunity that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and at some point, these talents, these expertise, these connections usually end up working together in super interesting ways. Yeah. Um, uh, put in perspective, I wanted to become a pilot, so I spent time studying, training, but my first paid job was a breakdancer. You know, I had made more money in breakdancing than I ever had from being a pilot. And that was something I started on a random afternoon when I was 16 years old because my friends didn't turn up to the event. And rather than being annoyed and going home, I stuck around and thought, how can I make the most of this day? Because a little breakdancing workshop 
and I was very, very average. Right? So. Well, what a surprising and delightful note to yeah, end on. Yeah, uh, Gabriel, you're, a, you're an inspiration certainly to me and I'm really happy uh, that we're, we're now able to share this uh, remarkable story with, with others. Thank you so much no for your worries. time. Anytime, anytime, I appreciate it.